are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir. At my friends. Hello, my friends out there. Like C-3PO just said, that is a small sample from a movie trailer of the upcoming fucking Star Wars film, Star Wars 89, excuse me, 69. Yeah. I don't even know which Star Wars it is now. I think it's so fucking stupid. I will tell you folks that Nietzsche once believed, Nietzsche believed that um, and that's Friedrich Nietzsche, the famous German philosopher from the 19th century. Friedrich Nietzsche believed that a civilization was in decline when it could no longer come up with new artistic constructs. Which means that that civilization keeps going through one cycle after another of the same stupid shit because A, no new ideas can be allowed, and B, they have a hard time coming up with new ideas because of A. Anyway, it's all pretty fucking crazy, if you ask me. Um, I only played a small amount from that fucking trailer because, you know, given the number of lawyers out there searching after trademark infringement and all the millennial copyright bullshit, because God knows Uncle Dan and Little Saigon is making billions off of mocking both Disney and these fucking Star Wars movies. So yeah, I don't know which Star Wars this is, but supposedly, supposedly, if you listen to it, if you listen to the ominous Wagnerian music, if you listen to it, supposedly, this is the final battle. Although it does have the rise of Skywalker in it, which leads me to believe, yes, it's the final battle that precedes the first next great battle, which precedes the next final battle, which means that there is never a final fucking battle when it comes to Star Wars. When I was a teenager, I saw a movie called Return of the Jedi. And the way that fucking film ended, you were led to believe that that was the final battle. But in fact, no. Even though Darth Vader tosses the fucking Emperor down the fucking power unit of the Death Star that then, you know, completely fucking explodes. No. No, that wasn't the final battle. Fuck. And listen, I can get over a lot of bullshit, but that's the one... Of all the memory hole bullshit associated with the Star Wars film um, franchise, you know, franchise operation, we're opening soon in a fucking neighborhood near you... Yeah, I don't know, but one of the things about it is that they have, in my opinion, completely thrown away any kind of rational, logical plot in pursuit of a lot of really weird, politically correct agendas. Even the idea that, you know, the main hero now has to be this young woman who, frankly, may or may not know which gender she is... I kind of expect at some point in this fucking movie that topic to come up. Am I a girl? Am I a boy? Is my name really Roy? Can you put me in the discombobulator and re-gravitate my fucking junk, you fucking future? You see, they travel through space and time with futuristic spaceships and Star Wars, you asshole. Which means they got futuristic medicine. It means they can take your junk and 
take it off and put something else there. Even if what you want is the head of a dolphin. Yeah, just cut off my fucking cock and put an actual, you know, fucking rooster there. A rooster head. Can you imagine that? Rooster head. <laughs> Fuck. That is how I feel about as I drink my Nescafe on this Friday, December the 13th. Friday the 13th. Something bad's gonna happen. 2019 or maybe not. Although something bad happens all the time, doesn't it? Really depends upon what your luck is that day. Lots of people die every single day. It's bigger than the number that Blue Oyster Colt talked about, but yeah, lots of people meet the Grim Reaper every fucking day. It doesn't matter good times, bad times. It doesn't matter. People die. Bad shit happens. Tragic bad shit happens. Now they'll tell you, and when I say they, I mean the little glowing rectangle. It'll tell you bad shit can't happen because you live in fancy pants razzmatazz town. Your world is so fucking amazing in fancy pants razzmatazz town. They tell you it cannot happen. Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you happy, you fuck? You live in fancy pants, razzmatazz town. First topic, I was going to make fun of a Democratic congressperson as my first topic, but I think I'm going to reorganize here a little because I can always make fun of this idiot. First topic, in the past, I have talked about various analogies for the U.S. economy. And recently, in talking about Zoltan Pozar's prediction, I used the analogy of the GTO, the Pontiac GTO, right? It's Pontiac. 400, 400 cubic inch engine, 1968 cherry red tri-power, dual gate, automatic transmission. And when I say tri-power, that means there's three carbs on the deck. That's like having a six-barrel carb. Yeah. I did not own that car. A friend of mine did. He, he went on fishing trips in Alaska in the summertime. That was a good way to make money back in the day. Yeah. But the other analogy I've used is something called the stranded skier. And it's an important one because there was an article today in Zero Hedge about, you know, how there are certain cities, certain special cities that are, well, it's just where it's happening, man. If you want a job, you got to go to these special, special, special cities, you know, that are so very fucking special. And before we read some of this article or the whole thing, I'd like to talk to you about this issue very quickly, um, give you my perspective, if that's okay. And let's talk about the stranded skier again. And for those of you who've never um, been downhill skiing before, and I don't even know if there's enough natural snow left in the Cascades to do it anymore, don't ask me why that's the case. It's kind of like that warm blob off the Pacific coast. Nobody knows what causes that. We've had all kinds of dead zones in the oceans, but all the scientists say we don't know. But it took like five seconds on 9-11 for them to figure out who did what, where, and why, and then they started melting down the evidence. 
Isn't that funny? When it comes to shit they want to know, they know it real fucking fast, don't they? But when it comes to shit they don't want to know, oh, we don't know why there's a dead zone in the fucking Pacific. Could be anything. Could be geological. Could be this. Could be that. You know what it could be? Could be the clathrate gun, folks. It could be the oceans are dying. It could be that the oceans are in such a bad state right now that they may never recover in our lifetime. It could be that you could live to see a dead ocean. Even if we survive as people, folks, you could live to see the oceans de basically dead. Yeah. And I don't think we survive if that happens, FYI. Anyways, that's a depressing topic, kind of off topic. But anyways, imagine you're skiing, you're a downhill skier, you're a, a wealthy kind of upper middle class guy on a trip, you're a bachelor, you're going to a fashionable fucking ski resort, you're going to hang out with the beauties in the chalet after you're done skiing that day. That's part of your plan anyways, bro. So imagine you're some type of bro with a six-figure income going skiing on some fucking ski slope, wherever that might be at this point in human history. And you're skiing down the slope, and you're skiing, and everything's great. It's late in the day. Let's say it's around 5 p.m., and it's the Pacific Northwest, which means, let's say it's 5 p.m. in January. Or December, fuck you. It's 5 p.m., and it's gloomy as fuck, and everyone's heading to the chalet, but you want to get in one last run. So you go down, you go down the red trail, the trail that's marked red, the trail you're not supposed to go down, right? Unless you're like a super-duper skier, and probably you shouldn't do it in the dark. But instead, you're a bro, you're a bro, you fucking, you do cocaine, you make good money, you have a fucking Tesla. Why can't you go down the red trail at 5 p.m.? Does it matter that the fucking people are all heading to the chalet and you'll be alone? No. That's where the true fucking, you know, pathfinders of the future, that's where, that's where Elon Musk would go. He'd go down the red trail. Yeah. So you head down the red trail. And you're skiing, and you're swerving, and you're doing your pizza, and your french fries, and you're doing really great, man. You're doing really great. Can I say that? You're skiing great. But, unbeknownst to you, as you're checking your fucking smart device, there's a limb up ahead, and as you're checking Facebook status, you get knocked in the head. You flip end over end like some type of Wile E. Coyote fucking cartoon moment. And end over end. And you land on your head. Ouch. Now at this moment you're unconscious. And no one else, for purposes of this economic analogy, this thought experiment, this Gedanken, as the fucking Germans would say, for purposes of this analysis, you need to know there's no one up there. No one is on the trail. No one's going to come across you. The only creatures that might find you are the coyotes and the wolves and the bears and the fucking cougars. And believe it or not, they're kind of hungry. But they're going to wait. Don't worry about it. They'll wait. So you're there. You're there on the trail. You're knocked out. You're still alive, though. You're still alive. You're not dead. The human body is pretty smart, and in a way kind of stupid. The human body is smart because it will pull the blood flow, pull the blood flow to the core, which means your heart, your lungs, your internal organs, your brain. Your body will protect your core, and it will sacrifice your arms, your legs, your feet and your hands, also called the extremities, and yeah, your, yeah, your penis too. Probably your penis will not be protected, but your body will protect the core. That's what it will do. It's smart in that way, and it's also kind of stupid, because here's the thing. While it is important to stay alive, if you lose your arms, your legs, your feet, your hands, if you lose your extremities, I don't see how you recover. Now, of course, in the magical world of 2019, if somebody comes across you slowly dying, even if you have suffered severe frostbite, frostbite, yeah, they're, you know, worst case, there are still prosthetics. 
They even got super robot arms now. That's great. My, my insurance through Dr. Grunkus does not cover that, FYI. <sighs> Anywho, you're there on the trail, you're unconscious, and you are technically you're slowly dying. But in your head, in your little magical special place, in your own bone cave, your little floaty chunk of fat, in your own little watery isolation chamber, inside of your fucking brain, you're thinking you're at the chalet. You're at the chalet, and there's this really, really sexy brunette. You think she's a lingerie model, and you're just looking at her, and she's looking at you, and things are fucking great. You are still slowly dying, buddy, but you're checking out her boobs, and you, th you think they're real. Or the fucking, yeah, the cosmetic surgeon was, was a fucking master. slowly dying that's the thing folks you are on the fucking trail you think you're in magical special razzmatazz land with the fucking supermodel fucking 10 and that's 10 on a scale of 10 bodies the fucking lingerie beauty yeah you think you're hanging out with scarlett johansson's backup um at the chalet and you're drinking martinis and you're really cool and you're wearing some really fucking swag fucking jacket but it's kind of retro so you seem really hip too and you got a pack of american spirit cigarettes you're gonna go smoke one out on the deck with that girl just to prove how much of a rebel you are but the reality is you're slowly dying on the ski trail now before we um get to the moral of the story, let us read an article from Zero Hedge. It is an article that was published today. And you can research this. This is a common article. And this is a common refrain. In fact, this is a good example of an economic phenomena that although the Federal Reserve and the BLS and the government isn't truly honest about it, they really can't hide it. So let's, le let's read the fucking article. And this one is written by Tyler Durden, nom, nom de plume. I don't know who this fucker is. Tyler Durden is a fictional character, however. Anyways, this one is by Tyler Durden and headline. The jobs of the future are all gravitating toward the same few U.S. cities. A recent analysis of where new innovation jobs are being created in the United States shows an ugly picture of a bifurcated economy where jobs of the future are focused in just a few cities. Divergence in job growth, incomes, and future prospects continue to be political talking points and the focus of economic research. It has all been a source of some social stress, according to Reuters. The Brookings Institution released a research, re research study. Oh, oh excuse me. Mm. That was the Gumbus too. The Brookings Institution re released a research recently. Wow, you should work on that phrasing, Tyler. Probably you need an editor too, and you probably make money off your site. The Brookings Institution released research recently that shows that the problem may be more profound than many people thought. Cities like Dallas, which has performed well in terms of overall employment growth, is still trailing and attracting workers in 13 separate industries. Guys, I'm going to let you read the rest of this fucking article on your own. Here's the deal. The long and the short of it is this. All of the good jobs are in a few cities now, in a few counties. It's true. And the whole Obama recovery, that was the same bullshit. This is not a new thing. Trump did not invent this. In fact, I would argue, like so many economic phenomena, this has been going on for a while. The fact is, um, the U.S. economy is technically collapsing. But from the perspective of the fancy pants folks, the razzmatazz, the, the fucking bullshit artists, they think they can lie to you. They can say, no, 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 the economy is bifurcating. It's splitting in two. That's why it's bifurcating. No, folks, here's what's happening. For many, many years, the U.S. economy has been collapsing. 
The government, like a parasite, has been sucking the economy dry. Fed policy has been debasing any ability for capital formation. And for all intents and purposes, the U.S. economy has been imploding. However, like the stranded skier, if you live in Seattle or New York City and you like to hang out down at Westlake and go to the fucking truck, you know, food trucks and hang out. Oh, aren't these food trucks cool? You ever ask why they exist? No, don't ask too many deep fucking questions and eat your fucking burrito. Yeah, people don't ask very deep questions these days. Anyways, um, from the perspective of all the fancy pants people, the razzmatazz, the hipsters, from the perspective of the people who are writing code, you know, I'm a code monkey too, let me tell you, that's also kind of a whole fucking steaming pile of bullshit. Whole story for another day, but yeah, I'm a code monkey. Anyways, learn to code. Yeah. What we don't need is more shitty code. On the other hand, it's why, even though I take half a year off, I always have a job. At least until Judgment Day. At least until everything turns to shit. Because I am now a software janitor. So all these motherfuckers are coming to Seattle and writing code. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Somebody has to fix that buggy shit, and it's going to be old, stupid fucks like me who need the money. Because we don't have any money. Because we're drifters. <laughs> fuck. Anyways, folks. If you live in Seattle, San Francisco, San Jose, Boston, blah, blah, blah. If you live in what one of my siblings once referred to as a super city, you might believe from your perspective that you are at the chalet, hanging out with the supermodels. You're at the chalet drinking martinis. You're at the chalet, oh yeah, hanging out with the juggies. You're at the chalet, baby, and life is really good. You're at the chalet. But in reality, folks, your economy as a whole, if, if taken as a whole, is dying. That's reality. And what they want to tell you is, no, the, the people in the fucking places, they just need to learn to code. We don't know why they're so depressed. Stop taking the opioids. But here's the thing, though, folks. Um, economies like Seattle make money off of the industries that sell the synthetic opioids and the other fucking drugs. So let's get real for a moment, okay? You can say whatever you want to about the poor, stupid people in flyover states. A lot of people love doing it in Seattle. Let's make fun of the rednecks. And that's all fine. What I'm telling you is that these uh, smug people, they're really in a very deep state of confusion. They believe that because all the blood is pulling to the court, pulling to these cities, these great cities, all the blood is flowing to Seattle, things must be great. It's kind of like saying there's more shark attacks, therefore the oceans must be doing great. <laughs> Use a little bit of logic there, you stupid fuck. Okay? I can think of a lot of reasons why shark attacks would increase, one of them being they're running out of fucking food. Anywho... If you live in Seattle specifically, because I live here, folks, you live in a bubble. And I don't mean financial bubble, although that's part of it. You live in a kind of specialized bubble. You're like bubble boy. Everyone's bubble boy and everyone's bubble girl. And in the little bubble, everything is fine. And there'll never be problems. And Ray Kurzweil has already told us that everyone's going to live forever. And super technology is going to expand your sphincter. <laughs> and solve all environmental issues, you know, okay, they maybe caused them. Yeah, they believe a lot of bullshit in Seattle, folks, just like the fucking unconscious skier. Just like the unconscious skier, somewhere on the slope, slowly dying. The fact is, the skier's dying. The U.S. economy is dying. And this applies to pretty much the whole developed fucking world, folks. It's not just the United States. It's not just here. It's all around the developed world right now. And, and you can say, well, why? Why is it happening, Dan? Well, I'll say one reason, and, and it's the main reason, and that's government. Okay, government has always been a parasite, but it's a weird parasite. Government is, is kind of like that parasitic 
creature. Um, I think was it what was that movie? I don't know if it was called The Thing or The Hidden. The Hidden. There was this movie from the '80s, kind of a cool, campy sci-fi movie called The Hidden, about a parasite that that would hide in people. But here's the thing: the parasite would also amp up their fucking metabolism, like 50 billion percent or whatever. So, anyways. That's kind of like the same thing, okay? <sighs> Next topic. But anywho, what I'm telling you guys before we go too far about the hidden, about the parasite, about government, government has used in the last century debt as a way to accelerate the metabolism of human civilization. The basic assumption being that all the natural resources required to make it work are infinite. There are no restrictions. Now, they may have known this was bullshit to begin with, which means this was always going to be a demolition job, or they may have actually been that fucking stupid 100 years ago. The fact is, I cannot believe they were that fucking stupid. But the basic theory is this, and, and ultimately, all Keynesian economics is rooted in this basic belief that you can eat tomorrow's lunch and there are no consequences. You can pull the man forward because there'll be even more lunches. We never run out of food. We never run out of oil. We never run out of clean water. We never run out of the things we need. That was the message of Keynesian economics. And the government, oh my God, like the hidden, like that parasite, the government hijacked our society, hijacked human civilization and loved it. That was the drug debt. And here is where we're at, folks. So if you live in a magical razzmatazz city like Seattle, and let's be honest about the razzmatazz, it isn't quite the same when you have to, you know, dodge human feces. If you live in a fancy pants razzmatazz town, you need to consider the possibility that there's a reason why you're doing so great and everywhere else is doing shitty. And that's because you're living in the last part of an economy that still kind of functions, still kind of has money, still kind of has resources, still kind of has access to credit. You live in a part of the economy that still has the ability to kind of function. And so you kind of believe everything's okay. But you and your society is slowly dying. And you believe you're at the chalet drinking martinis with the supermodels. That's a stranded skier, folks, and that's, that is the U.S. economy. Next topic. Let me double-check time here, though. <clears throat> double-check the time, bandits. Holy fuck. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Holy fuck. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, next topic. They will run out of bread. They will run out of bread, folks. They'll run out of beer and bread and french fries. They will run out of pizza and Gombex cubes and that bologna and that Velveeta we all love. They will run out of any kind of quasi-digestible food to include wood pulp long before they run out of circuses. What do I mean by that? And I think this is totally by design, folks. In fact, it's also kind of brilliant. If they did this on purpose as part of the great demolition job to come, it's kind of brilliant because you think about it, even though we have to eat, we need food, we need water, distractions do help. If you're hungry, distractions are great. In fact, that's why circuses are important because you don't always have the bread. And sometimes there's not enough bread to go around. So give them the circuses, give them some entertainment, give them a fucking distraction. And yes, I'm tipping my hat to ancient Rome here. But since most people don't read or even understand the world any longer, I'm not sure if you want to research that or not. But yes, bread and circuses. That is a reference to ancient Rome. And what I am saying specifically here is that they will run out of bread way before they run out of circuses. In fact, I think that's coming soon. That is the thing, folks. No matter what happens economically in the next couple of years, 
unless there is some radical change in the technological fabric of our society with respect to power generation and with respect to food, I believe some very hard times are ahead, maybe even mass starvation. And I don't think it's a hundred years away. And I gotta say, if you're gonna say, well, you're just like Greta Thunberg. No, folks. I look at Greta and I see exactly what the fuck she is. She's a little clown. And I know why governments use little clowns. They use little clowns to take serious issues and make them look like jokes. So if you're gonna fucking tell me, look at Greta. No, Greta looks like a fucking clown and she was designed to look like a fucking clown. Wake the fuck up. Al Gore is a fucking clown. He was always intended to look like a hypocritical piece of shit clown. Wake the fuck up, okay? The CIA, they've been doing this shit for a while, folks. They have been mocking you and gaslighting you since 1947. And oh, by the way, the people that taught them that, yeah, the Nazi pimp crew, basically, yeah, they learned their best things about gaslighting from Nazis. But here's the bottom line, folks, throughout history. If a power, if a king, if, a, if an overlord has a fool, it is not to make a funny issue funnier. It, it really isn't, folks. It is to take an issue that that king, that leader, does not want you to talk about, to think about, to worry about, and therefore make it seem completely fucking foolish. They will run out of bread before they run out of circuses, folks. If you don't believe that, you can wager however you want to, but they will. And if you want to fix this, and again, what's your solution? Get rid of the fucking parasites. Get rid of the fucking government. It is the only answer. It is the only chance we have, and it might even be too late for that. But it is, it is the only chance. And if you're saying, well, can't we just go to limited government? Listen, if you have a magical means by which to get the crocodile, and when I say crocodile, you know I mean government, if you have a magical means to convince the magical fucking crocodile to go on a diet, to eat fewer babies, feel fucking free. But people have been selling me that bullshit my whole fucking life. And guess what? The chains are only getting heavier. So, so I don't know. If you want to believe, well, damn, the blockchain and decentralized small, it's not going to happen that way. And the blockchain probably isn't what you think it is. I'm sorry. But here's the deal, folks. And you need to fucking listen. Because you can get all funny about fatties and people who are overweight. Technically, I'm carrying a few too, a few too many pounds. Guess what? You know why I'm not in a serious fucking race to lose weight right now? Ask yourself why. Okay, I, I stood in... Um, a food line last winter. I saw the welfare queens, and here's what I'll tell you. Firstly, the food was, was kind of crappy, and yeah, there are different food banks, but the one I went to, yeah, they handed out apples that looked like they got too much of a dosage of, yeah, um, pesticide. That's tasty when your apple tastes like fucking diesel fuel. Anyways, um, yeah. Yeah, there, there's no magical welfare queen out there that I know of except for the military-industrial complex. Most of the poor people are just, they're just basically being poor. And that's right now, when everything is so fucking great. Like I said, if you listen to the fucking stranded skier, that stranded skier, that unconscious stranded skier will tell you, I'm at the chalet. There ain't no poor people at the chalet. We feed them to the pigs. And it's worse than that, because I think that maybe the final plan is to process people. It's fucked up, you know? I've had mixed feelings about the whole notion of predictive programming. Do I actually believe that the great conspiracy of history involves riddling literature and movies and TV with little hints about the future. It's possible, but I don't know how I feel about that. It's also possible that writers and philosophers have a vision of the future. 
both things are possible. Is it possible that George Orwell and, you know, Alice Huxley and people like that were told what was going to happen? It's possible. It is also possible that they saw the human bullshit. They saw the human stupidity. They saw the, the just the general ignorance of the directionality of the human civilization. And they knew which way it was headed to crazy town. Yeah, it's possible that's true too, folks. Next topic, because I'm tired of that other one. So I've been watching the show Mr. Robot um, since it debuted in 2015. And before I continue, I really like the show. I kind of, and, and on the subject of predictive programming, holy fuck, that show is interesting. You really need to watch that show. There was some strange stuff going on with that show. It almost led me to believe that maybe, I don't know, if predictive programming is real, maybe they were getting too real. They were talking about too much, especially when it comes to the, you know, the plan of White Rose to essentially change the universe. You know, you know, basically tap into the power of quantum physics and the multiverse to change reality. That's that I, you know, there are people who suspect that the powers that be, they are currently at CERN, um, at CERN in Switzerland, at the at the Large Hadron Collider. They are currently trying to do that. So anyways, I've been watching the show Mr. Robot. You know, I, I don't watch TV. I just, I basically, you know, buy these off Amazon. I don't like Amazon, but what the fuck am I going to do? One slave bro to another. I do the best I can, slave bro. We are all living on the Death Star, people. Some of us live in the really shitty housing close to the reactor. We all do the best we can. Anyways, um, I like the show. I will also tell you this. When I was first watching it, I thought it was kind of a ripoff of some of the features of um, the story by Chuck Palinhook. Palinhook. I hope I'm saying that right. Palinhook. Um, the story called Fight Club, and if you've never read the story, there's a movie called Fight Club that came out 20 years ago. And some of the stuff in Mr. Robot is eerily familiar if you'd seen the movie Fight Club. It's, it's not the same. I'm not saying it's the same, but it's weirdly familiar. So anyways, I like the show. I watched every season. And then there's this year. There's this season, which frankly... The whole thing, and let me double check my word usage because I started reusing a word recently. I want to make sure I'm using it correctly. It's a good thing to try to expand your vocabulary if you want to. Yeah, okay, it was right. Anyways, if you want to expand your vocabulary, as a side note, James Howard Kunstler's um, bi-weekly blog, good place to visit, the clusterfuck nation at kunstler.com. I read his blog periodically, and it does help. It's not just learning stuff and him giving away his wisdom. He uses a lot of fancy words. Anyways, the last season of um, Mr. Robot seemed kind of perfunctory. And let me define perfunctory, because that's a word you don't hear often these days, but it's a good word. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. An action or gesture carried out with minimum effort or reflection. Okay, so basically, it's kind of like half-assing it. Okay, if, if it's perfunctory, you're half-assing it. You're not really putting in the full effort. This last season has seemed perfunctory, number one. Number two, and I don't know why they did it. Well, I have a theory. But number two, they put something into it that both makes sense and doesn't make sense. They basically put into it this storyline that his dad had been sexually abusing him. And all of this is revealed in a high-stress therapy session with a drug dealer and his former therapist. Anyways, I don't want to give away the whole final season of Mr. Robot, but the the season doesn't really, it doesn't feel like it even fits with the other three, um, the other seasons. It doesn't, it doesn't even seem like it remotely fucking connects. It's so fucking disconnected. It's so fucking out of sync. And I gotta say, it's not the first show in recent years that I've seen that has that kind of ending to it. And I don't know why. I really don't. 
I had this theory several years ago, especially when they started doing all the Star Wars bullshit, that the reason why they're half-assing a lot of this entertainment is because people in the know are starting to sort of, well, how can I, how can I say this? Um, people in the know are sort of defecting from normal life. I think people in the know are prepositioning themselves or just taking themselves out. It's kind of like the story of um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. If he did kill himself through an overdose, it may have been because he knew too much. I actually believe there might be people. And when I say no too much, they might be lied to also, folks. When I, when I tell you I believe the oceans are dying, it's because of what I see. But is it possible that that's also some kind of a fucked up game? Is it possible that the government is poisoning the oceans? It's possible, folks. It's not even a fucking question. We tested thousands of nuclear weapons over the years. The government doesn't care what it does to the fucking oceans. Ask the Marshall Islanders. Ask them about the toxic waste we left behind from Inuitake Atoll and the testing we did there. So it's possible, but it, does, it doesn't seem likely. Anyways, yeah. The last season of Mr. Robot seems perfunctory. And then the thing about the child abuse, it almost seems like they had to come up with something to sort of take the edge off of one of the sort of driving sort of themes of the show, which is a kind of rebellion. It's almost like saying, well, guess what? If you're a rebellious young man, if you're a hacker incel, it's probably because you don't remember that your dad, you know, sexually molested you. And yeah, and, and folks, if it, if it actually fit in the storyline on a deeper level, I could accept it. The only way that it fits the only way that this even makes any fucking sense at all is because the main character suffers from multiple personality disorder. But I'll tell you something, folks. There are a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists and neuroscientists to this day that question the validity of something called multiple personality disorder. I'm not saying it's bullshit, folks, but I'm telling you something. It's probably far more rare than any of you realize, even in cases of abuse. That being said, the only part of the whole thing that connects to, to abuse that goes right back to the beginning of the series is this idea that he had multiple personality disorder. So yeah, okay, I'll tell you, that's how you can connect the dots. But they throw it in the last season like a nasty-ass rotten sardine from an old rusty can from Grandpa Schlumpabuck. And it just doesn't taste very good. Anywho, Next topic, final topic for this evening's podcast. But before I go, like I said, I like the show Mr. Robot. I just feel like this last season is, it doesn't feel like it's in place. And there are many potential explanations. I think one of the main writers took a break and did this show um, called Homecoming with Julia Roberts. And and I gotta tell you, if you watch that show Homecoming, you'll see the signature of the same the, the same writer, director, whatever. Anywho, it's possible that the guy took a break, did the fucking show, hung out with some fucking interesting people, 
and they told them, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you turned your fucking angry hacker into a scared, sad little boy who confronts his sexual abuse from his father, who he thought was a hero? Wouldn't that be great? It's not like fathers are, you know, not attacked every fucking day and the whole notion of fatherhood is basically, yeah, almost defunct. Let's just, you know, fire another torpedo at fatherhood. Why not? I mean, we're doing the same thing with motherhood. We've been doing that for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But yeah, let's just nuke fatherhood in general. Because if you're a hacker and you're angry about the system, your dad probably sexually abused you. Fuck. Next topic. So I got into some arguments over Thanksgiving. I don't want to go into it. But but here's the deal. The topic of idealism came up. And it, and it was purported, or, or I should say subtly um, suggested in a kind of backhanded, Seattle, passive-aggressive kind of way that because I was an anarchist, I was not an idealist. Because I questioned the system, and frankly questioned whether the system as it currently exists can survive, I wasn't an idealist. Well, actually, I think I am an idealist. But let's talk about what idealism really is. In a simple sense, idealism is a general motivating faith in an idea for a, a, a state of affairs that does not currently exist. For example, Marxists who dream of a Marxist society that's never existed, some communist utopia, that's idealistic. That's, you know, they're an idealist. Um, all these Venus Project nutcases, these Jacques Fresco idiots, these fucking, <laughs> I saw the fucking Zeitgeist movie, and somehow ERP systems and software can solve the resource bottleneck and solve the calculation problem in economics, which technically is impossible. But yeah, they're idealists too, folks. The people that believe cryptocurrency is going to liberate the human race, um, whatever else they might be, including confused and deluded, they are also idealists. And guess what? Uncle Dan is also an idealist. The United States was probably a free country for about five years. Between the end of the Revolutionary War in 1783 and the Constitutional Convention, there was roughly a five-year period. So for about five years, folks, for about five years, we were not an empire. We didn't want to build armies. We weren't going to have a national fucking bank. We had two documents, and that's all we needed. We had the Declaration of Independence and the Articles of Confederation, and that is all we needed, folks. Let every state decide how they want to run their affairs. That was the idea. And before you say, well, what about slavery? Listen, folks, slavery got a lease on life. Slavery actually probably survived longer because of the Constitution. I'm just being honest. It probably allowed it to last longer than it would have. And make no mistake, at one point, Lincoln was willing to guarantee slavery for a hundred years in the South if the war would end. So please don't give me this, oh, what about slavery if it weren't for the Constitution? No, folks. Slavery probably would have ended sooner. But here's another thing, too. We wouldn't have had a national army. So the whole persecution of Native Americans thing, the, the Holocaust we don't talk about, we call it all romantic. It's cowboys and Indians. No, it was basically rounding up, you know, indigenous peoples and putting them in concentration camps and slowly starving them and just killing them outright. You know, it was kind of genocide. That's what that was. It wasn't romantic. Anyways... The Constitution enabled an empire. It enabled a military. It enabled a giant, scary fucking monstrosity, a scary fucking crocodile. Um, but we were a free country for a while. Anyways, I am an idealist. But listen, folks, if you've listened to my podcast, you know what kind of an anarchist I am. I am the anarchist that lives in the real world. The, the United States of America, whatever analogy you want to use. And, and I've been talking to my friend AJ... And it's not quite original. I think, I don't know. I think the dudes that worked on the fucking Clerks movies and 
<laughs> the clerk the clerks movies whatever i think they probably got into that conversation there but let me be more specific and say this the united states could be thought of as the death star one big fucking death star and if you're idealistic about the death star i get it but at least be honest about your idealism because to believe the death star has a future you have to believe in everything that goes against logic and life and existence. There is no future in building Death Stars. There really isn't, folks. There isn't. There, there never was. A Death Star is always going to be destruction to others and to itself. It is inevitable. It is the wheel of existence. And the basic message I got was if I wasn't idealistic about Death Star, if I wasn't excited about all the fucking wars and all that bullshit, then I wasn't an idealist. I was some type of pessimistic realist or something. No, folks. I am an anarchist and I'm an idealist. I'd like to live in a free world, but currently I live on the Death Star. And it's not the only one. It just happens to be the biggest one. There are Death Stars all around the world. Israel is a Death Star. Guess what? I'm not going to Israel. Oh, go to China. No, China's just another. It's just a Chinese Death Star. And frankly, I think my odds of survival are better here than in fucking Beijing. Use some fucking common sense. Just because you're an idealist doesn't make you a good person. Hitler was an idealist. The people that supported Hitler were idealists. They believed in an ideal society of the perfect race of the of the superman they believed that you could purify the 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 good white people you know the good white fucking people of the human race they believed in that bullshit the ubermensch that's idealistic bullshit and that's evil as fuck that aryan blood science bullshit was idealistic crazy and evil as fuck. Vladimir Lenin was an idealist, folks. If you don't think Lenin was an idealist, you need to read his writings. He believed in communism. In fact, his big issue with Marx, or rather not Marx, but really other communists of his time, is he believed they should short circuit things. Instead of waiting for the evolution of capitalism, blah, 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 short circuit and go right to what's referred to as the dictatorship of the proletariat. So they hijacked the Russian Revolution of 1917. Keep in mind, there were two Russian revolutions in 1917. The first one was essentially a kind of middle of the road revolution. In fact, if they'd figured out a way to make peace with Germany, that first revolution might have worked, but instead they continued the fucking stupid-ass war. The second revolution was the Bolshevik Revolution in October of 17, and that was the revolution where they took power. Very, very few Bolsheviks were required, actually, to take power, interestingly enough. Vladimir Lenin was an idealist, and at Kronstadt, I think it was 1922, during the Russian Civil War, I think it was 22, at Kronstadt, Lenin had executed tens of thousands of Russian officers. Now you can say, well, Dan, it was a civil war, so executing tens of thousands. You know what, folks? You can justify war crimes however the fuck you want to. It was a war crime. It was a crime against humanity. No, there was no cop to arrest him. But guess what? Lenin was a fucking idealist. In fact, when you think about it, the whole manifest destiny thing, you know the whole going back to the subject of you know the, the Native Americans and, and, and that particular subject? Manifest destiny, the belief that we owned all of North America because we're good and white and we showed up, that was idealistic bullshit too, folks. And a lot of it, not all of it, but maybe most of it, turned out to be crooked and evil. So for those of you out there who say, I'm an idealist, I, I believe in the system, actually, you need to understand something. That's probably not idealism, A. And B, so fucking what? I don't care. You're idealistic about something that's really kind of shitty. You're idealistic about the fucking Death Star. You're idealistic about the magical fucking crocodile. 
You're idealistic about the fact that you live in the part of the body that is not currently slowly dying, at least not as fast. You're, you are a very fucking idealistic stranded skier. But you're still slowly dying and your society is still slowly dying, you stupid fuck. So yeah, I'm an idealist, but I also accept the fact that I live in a prison. That the Death Star is also a giant prison. And I might have more privileges. I, believe me, I don't want to go to the deeper prison. I don't want to go to the place where I have to worry about dropping the soap. So if you're wondering why I do what I do as an anarchist, in part it is to avoid the crocodile. I have said this before and I'll say it again. I don't ever intend to go to the outback of Australia and, and attempt to play chess with a, with a saltwater crocodile because it does not matter if I'd win the game. I would still end up in the crocodile's poop. It does not matter if you're smarter than the government. It doesn't matter if your beliefs are better. It is a trillion ton um, grotesque monstrosity, a Hieronymus Bosch monster, and you're not going to win a fight with it if you do it one-on-one. -on -one. You're not. You're not going to win. Look at Julian Assange. If anyone had a moral basis in recent American history to somehow get people behind him, to liberate him, it would be Julian Assange. Guess what? He's going to get pooped out by the crocodile, probably. That's reality, folks. So I am an idealist, but I'm not crazy. I'm an idealist. I know that if I played chess with a saltwater crocodile, I could probably win. I also know it doesn't give a shit about chess, and it will simply eat me. And I also know that if you're unconscious, and you're in a state of fantasy, that reality can seem as real to you as any reality, and that is why the situation is so fucked up. Because for people in places like Seattle, where there's still kind of an economy functioning, people believe it's like that everywhere. I've been across the country in the last decade. I'm a drifter. Like I said, folks, I'm a drifter. I'm a drifter. I'm a wanderer. I've seen a few things, and I can tell you, there are parts of this country that are doing okay, and there are many more parts of this country that are falling to pieces. And no one talks about it. And you can quote me all the fucking violent crime statistics you want to. In all likelihood, those numbers are, bu are bullshit too, folks. I hate to break it to you. Um, so from one red corpuscle... From one red corpuscle in the stranded skier to another, the stranded unconscious skier. Why don't we head out on a town tonight and go get that glass of scotch while we're slowly dying? Why don't we head out on the town? We can enjoy ourselves and party it up with cocaine and hookers. That would be idealistic. One red corpuscle to another. If you listen to my podcast and you enjoy it and you have extra money, which means you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, you've helped out the people you love and care about in this holiday season, and you still have a few extra bucks left over, and you've taken care of all the things you need to take care of, then there is a link to Venmo 
on the, in the description of this podcast, and there's a link to Venmo on my SoundCloud homepage. Donate at Venmo. Um, and if you don't like Venmo, there's an email link on my SoundCloud homepage, me at IamSully.com. You can tell me how you'd rather send me money, but the point is, if you have extra money and you want to donate to the Little Saigon Report and to any upcoming projects that will manifest themselves on this fucking SoundCloud channel or elsewhere, hopefully here, I don't want to be kicked off quite yet. If you do like it, hey, feel free to donate. But donate what you can when you can. There is no requirement. If all you have the resources to do is maybe recommend my podcast to other people, guess what? That would be very helpful. If all you have the resources to do is, is make basically just word of mouth marketing, that would be helpful. Hell, if you're one of these guys on Zero Hedge who doesn't get his account deleted very often, you can post a link or two. Don't post too many. I think I pissed them off. Those fuckers. I think I pissed them off. Anywho, um, but... For this Friday the 13th, 2019, have a great evening. And remember, even though you and your society might be dying, somewhere up at the chalet, there's a beautiful busty woman waiting, waiting for a raven-haired busty woman. She's sexy and she's wearing these really tight jeans. She's beautiful and sexy and she's waiting for you. Yeah, you're dying, but... In your head, she's waiting for you. So go out and find this woman, this mystery magical woman that's in your head. Her name is Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs>